welcome back to another episode of Characters and Class, where we roll up D&D characters without any prior planning or thought. I'm Colin Carlton, and you are... Matt Fillion. Matthew Fillion. And I lied in our intro just now because we're not going to be rolling up D&D characters tonight. We're doing something different. Breaking things up a little bit. It's time to time to... It's time to talk about not planning, just not about your character, right? Yep. Yeah, tonight we're going to be talking about improvisation. In, in, adding, including adding extra syllables into an actual word. So. <laughs> um, improvise. Well, it's funny because, you know, I, I think about how much time the average person puts into building their character when you're doing a real campaign, like not like a one shot or not like what we're doing. Like if you're actually going to be stuck with this character, hopefully if they don't get killed in the first couple of sessions, you might be playing this guy for two or three years. So you put a lot of thought into it. You write a 12 page backstory for him and all that other stuff. And that can be a lot of pressure <laughs> to put on yourself and to put on the DM. I actually funny. I don't know who saw it. I wish I remembered where the where I saw the tweet because I want to give credit for because this is a joke that I did not say, but it is funnier than I could come up with. They're talking about a character getting killed very early on who had like a five or twelve page backstory, and someone said should have done that backstory like a resume. And I have oh, been wow. legitimately laughing at that for like four or five days now. I saw it at the end of last week. I'm like, yes, do your character, do your character background like a resume. One but page. That's so true bullet points <laughs> that's so true it's it's i i love and especially you and i we write three or four hundred page books that's what we yep. do for money <laughs> we write we write books on purpose that big yeah but for for D D, you're what your people forget is you're at the start of the story you only have to write you really should only write the first thing people see when you walk on screen in a book or on a, in a screenplay well and you and i you and I really like improv and you and I really like kind of just creating off the cuff and not having too much plan. And we sort of enjoy that. And a lot of people do, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. Some people don't. And I understand where people probably get apprehensive about going into the game, knowing that they have to like be a character or be mm -hmm. something. And you really, I think when that happens, you're, you're sort of overthinking it a little bit. It's yeah, not there's... so much about having the answer. It's about just walking through it with whatever's happening and whatever's going on. Mm -hmm. and, and, and you and I both have done theater. We've both done film. We've, we're trained improvisational actors. So yep. the whole concept of, and you hear it a lot with shows, a lot of like a lot of actual plays and stuff where they've got actors who are used to that. The yes and concept Yep. or the no but. <laughs> yes and or yeah. no but yes and or no but you know but you never say just no or you never just say yes right um but uh getting tied down as you're creating a character or creating a setting um mm -hmm. actually i've taught classes on world building because i write books with worlds and so do you um and i always have my my advice is don't build it till you need it and i think that works for characters too. it works for games you know like it, it don't we we grew up reading these books with these beautiful maps on the inner cover and, and it's like, don't draw the map before you wrote the book because you might need a river somewhere or you might need a mountain somewhere or in your books, you might need an uncle, yep. you know, or to get for a character. Like you might need, you might need, you know, you might need like a niece that needs to be rescued or something and don't build it until you need it because that gives you more options down the road. Well, and what you really have to think about too is, you know, if you're in a game with other people and you're typically just meeting those people 
those characters, your character is meeting those characters for the first time, mm-hmm. or they haven't been around to each other too much. Those other characters aren't going to know your character's entire backstory. So they're not right. going to know if you have other relations or where you're from, or if you like bananas or don't like all that stuff can come up while you're walking people through and talking and just kind of taking your time with the whole thing. You don't have to have a whole personality flushed out mm-hmm. from you know, game zero, you just have to have a vague idea about what you want this person to be. And then when things come up, you can decide whether your character likes it or doesn't like it. It, it doesn't have to be this grand plan. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it can be a fun kind of, oh, I don't think my character likes spiders. So I'm going to be terrified of this spider. And then everybody's surprised about it. When I DM and I, it's funny, we've never, this hasn't actually come up uh in our show before but i have never had a character in a long-term campaign i'm a forever dm i am always the dm i have a book of fucking characters <laughs> dropping f-bombs i have characters upon characters that i never get to play because i'm always the dm um i get lucky and get in a couple of good one shots once in a while but um so my perspective is always trying to help other players build characters that they're comfortable with that don't stress because you don't want this is a game yeah. you don't want a character that stress you out it should be fun. So I always, I start with um, a couple of questions. It's modified. One of, one of my favorite lists that I've heard was uh, Jerry Holkins from Acquisitions Incorporated. Um, I don't remember his exact list, but I stole sort of his structure because I thought he starts with three questions with his players. And I'm like, oh, those are great, but not, you know, so let me tweak that list. And I think the ones that I usually start with are, why are you in X, whether it's a location, like a city or a setting, like, why are you here? You know, and it can be like, I'm traveling through, I'm looking for a lost object. I'm, uh, I'm looking for work, <laughs> you know, yeah. something as simple as yeah. that. I ask for one to three or four max people that are important to you. Just so I, ha- and that gives you as a player, something to latch onto. Yeah. And gives me as a DM, something to latch onto, but it also doesn't, it doesn't commit you to much. You know, you don't, I don't need to know your whole family tree and you don't need to know your whole family tree. It's okay. You can make up a cousin on the fly somewhere and that's going to be funnier than like having a family tree in your back pocket that you break out and the third question is what what do you want to know that you would cross your strongest ethical line to learn that gives you as a player something to okay so where is my line in the sand what would i and what is it a what's your ethical line you might be a character who's totally okay with killing people but you won't kick a puppy right um or you might be a character who has who's a pacifist and what would, what would move you to violence? Like, what, so what is your ethical line and what would cause you to cross it? Um, yeah. And I and, think that comes a lot too of, of working with the DM mm-hmm. to, to sort of craft this thing. Cause they're telling the story you're participating in the story and adding to it with your own side of it. So that sort of communication on both ends. So, you know, if you're listening to this and trying to figure out how to improv as a, player that's one side of it and if you're listening to this as the dm and trying to kind of decide how to craft a campaign and how to run things that's the other Mm -hmm. side of it too like it's not all on the player to to carry their own character's improv a lot of the prompts you'll give will decide what the character does yeah having a little bit and i always worry if a dm and want if a dm wants too much but i also think dm it's on the dm to ask you a little bit you know, I get what, what do yeah. I need to tell the story? And also 
it's on the dm to not get so precious with your story that you can't let it's because it really it's the character story that you build the sandbox they tell they they decide where the story goes i keep going back to both novelists you sit in a room by yourself you don't talk to anybody else you tell the whole story every character is coming out of you and the, these games are about the collaborative thing because it's you are not the lead character all of your friends are with you on equal footing the dm isn't god i mean we joke around the dm is god but really the dm is there to kind of facilitate the story that you're working your way through and give you some goals to get to yeah on both ends whether you're a player or a dm like don't get locked in on don't like improv is so important because you got to be able to like dance on the fly you know like to 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 because to, if you in a novel you've got a process and you've got to you know you 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 follow an arc uh, with these games, if something doesn't go your way, we're we're rolling math rocks. <laughs> you know, like you can you can you can have a plan and have it fail, and you gotta be okay with not having what you had planned come out the other side. Well, and it's really important to understand improv. There is no wrong way to improv. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's part of what p- trips people up. Either they think they have to be funny because they've watched comedians improv or they've watched, you know, um, what was the Drew Carey show? Uh, whose line is it anyway? Whose line is it anyway? Yeah. You know, that's all great. And like improv comedy is hilarious and it's funny. That doesn't mm-hmm. have to be your improv. Right. Like, and and it, you can improv it dramatically, romantically, uh, action. You can have very minimalistic things. Your character could not say a whole lot. You know, they could mm-hmm. be a very stoic kind of quiet character. And some of the best stuff that comes out of games like this, whether you're playing D&D or you're playing the Vampire the Masquerade, like some of the best moments that you're that, that are going to come out of it is the ones that you don't see coming. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's because when, when I first, I I was DMing what three campaigns through the pandemic, and when I before the pandemic, I planned, you know, like I had I had a, I, and I wanted to know where the characters wanted to go, and I'd have yep. everything planned out. And right now, after I don't know, three games a week for two years. Not so much anymore. Unfortunately, I've slowed down a little bit, but like I walk in with a bare minimum of, I think this is what they're going to do. Yeah. I mean, and the the willingness to improv, I thought I knew where people were going to go. Like last night's session, (laughs) uh, there was a plan. And instead they got really obsessed with a doll. Um, That was a very big part of the thing is a creepy doll. And they went, they went shopping for spell components and I gave them kind of the option of like, cause it, the book gives you all the spell components. Like, no, you tell me what it t- takes to cast that spell. Yeah. You know, like it's like, those are in there. I actually love the spell component things because it lets you go like I squish an eye of a newt and cast a spell. But you know, if you, if you tell me you, it like, I don't know, every time I cast a spell, I melt a penny in the palm of my hand. Cool. That's awesome. That's yeah. improv. Right. That's great. Um, and I'm sitting there like if I had had a plan as a DM, I'd have been so disappointed. And every, every, I'm just kind of like, nope, this is just how it happened. This is what came out the other end. It was a bunch of people because the, the idea of improv is release, relinquishing control over both your environment and the people around you, right? Like, yeah. Well, and I, you know, the thing with improv too is you really, when everybody's kids at, on some level, they played pretend and that's mm-hmm. all this is. You know, they played pretend with either action figures or dolls or cars or, you know, anything. And the older you get, the more you kind of get talked out of it or, or made to think that it's childish or, 
you know, you can't make those dumb jokes because you're a grown person and you can't talk about penises, you know. <laughs> but Says you, the guy who created, actually, we, your first character that you ever rolled up, you had never played before. Um, you make a like really baseline fighter, like a dexterity based fighter. Very, um, very baseline. Elf fighter. Yep. Just like, that was it. That's really like out of the box D&D. Yeah, the only, really, and we were using the starter kit, one of the two starter uh-huh. kits. I think it was the D&D Essentials kit we were using where it um, only gives you five classes to pick from anyway. And it was a couple of us that two of you had never played before. And I'm like, okay, I think my friends will either love this game or hate it. Um, <laughs> and you roll up this character. There's nothing fancy about him at all. The only choice you made really was, do you want to be a quick fighter or a strong fighter, right? So you yeah. go a dexterity based fighter. Who then goes on for two and a half years or something like that creates a religion around his genitalia <laughs> which is now in the game world it carried on after renin passed on into history yep that stays in the setting well you know he's a great example because there there was no backstory i mean you know right. we were talking about before this like um a 12 page backstory versus just you know a resume kind of backstory yeah. with bullet points that guy had nothing. So when we rolled had- up, we were just playing around. I came up with him and then I gave him a Scottish accent for zero reason. Mm-hmm. But then once we started playing with him, you know, I, uh, Scottish accents are typically dwarven, you know, if you're going stereotypical stereotypes, yeah. You know, people started to press me about why. And it started to be part of the gameplay of like, why does this elf have a Scottish accent? And so that's when I came up with the fact that he was raised by dwarves like he was left on the the stoop of a dwarven you know uh home and they raised him so he collected those accents and then you know from there it kind of snowballed into like oh that's why he hates dwarves (laughs) because he has like some childhood drama and the dwarves didn't treat him very nicely so but that took months of playing to like Mm kind of iron that out and it, but it wasn't anything I came in with right off the bat. It's just stuff that kept coming up. And when the other players would prompt me, I would have to come up with an answer for it about his mm. past. What I loved about that character too is that I always knew when you had planned something. Right. You, yeah, you there's a change. There's a change in your vocal tone because most of the time it was 100% improv. Uh-huh. And once in a while, it was like a plan or it was a scam. Yep. And I'm like, okay, so Colin's been thinking about this this week. And I, as the DM, do not know which. So it's my turn to improv. I'm just going to roll with this. Okay, he's corrupting street urchins this week. Cool. Let me make up a half dozen street urchin names. Let me make up a neighborhood charity where they go to get their, like, and I mean, really what was funny is because I had, without telling you, had established that um, I don't do species accents i do regional accents right so it's like you know there are southern dwarves and there are like boston accent i actually think i actually think nothing fits the dwarven stereotype like a boston accent yeah i grew up here like there's dwarf like grumpy short hairy people who just complain and spend too much time in in the subway (laughs) like that's what so boston accent dwarves are great but we also had another player who surprised me by coming in playing a gnome who thought he was a dwarf. So, and you both did Scottish accents in a world where Scottish accents are not typically dwarven. <laughs> who both blamed the Scottish accent on the dwarf. So I'm like, okay, so you're making me improv my world a little bit. 
you're both from uh, this part of the world with this accent me that i I, talking about you know just improv in general you're throwing this one concept at me it's my job as the dm to not discourage the improvisation like okay so there are scottish dwarves in my world cool i can't do a scottish accent and i do accents as a dm so i'm like oh shit okay how do i work this out the only other dwarf you met with a scottish accent i can do a pretty okay sean connery impersonation yeah who does not talk with a typical Scottish accent either. So it's the only dwarf you met whom you both hated instantly was a Scottish, it was a a Sean Connery impersonation dwarf whose name was specifically designed so that I could lean in on the the SH on the S's for Schalt. Um, (laughs) But that was all just rolling with what you threw at me. And and. And half the time, I don't think you knew what you were throwing at me until it came out of your mouth either. So. No. And, you know, the majority of the time when I did try and pre-plan something, it didn't work out nearly as well as the stuff that I just did on the fly. You know? I actually, the, saying the way, you know, you bring up things not going the way they were pre-planned. Um, we had a very big group. We had, I think, eight, nine, between somewhere between seven and nine players every session. Yeah. It was a big, big freaking group. Um, and a lot of the players got into the habit of pre-rolling to help. They pre-rolled their attacks, they pre-rolled their damage, that kind of stuff. Yeah, because for um, some of them, there was a lot of math involved. There's a lot of math, and um, I've I joke around on this show a lot that my only superpower is adding. I can add dice fast. That's uh-huh. it. And but and you're, you're the only one a, so far. <laughs> I'm rare. Apparently, that's a rare thing. I thought it wasn't, but apparently, being able to add a half dozen dice on the table real fast is a rare thing. Yep. Um, so they pre-roll the stats, but I'm like, I I loved as a DM that helps me keep the battles moving. When and there's, uh-huh. I would say we were a very improvisational group. There's really only a fight every like maybe once a month. Um, we'd have a yeah. big battle. It wasn't very. It wasn't every session. But if you pre-roll that, and then what you planned doesn't happen, the panic on people's faces would sometimes set in. Like, oh yeah. no, I thought I was going to do X. Now I have to read align my entire expectation for my next move well and the improv seeps into the gameplay in that way too because Mm -hmm. so if you do have eight people like we did you can have a plan going into a fight and then seven rounds later it's your turn again and all of a sudden (laughs) you can't do what you were about to do Mm -hmm. like either the the villain's dead or you know something else has happened or you you've been paralyzed or prone you know something has happened that you can't use the grand strategy that you were mm. going to do you know 25 minutes ago so you have to be a little bit wiggly about it got 20 in 25 with seven to nine players 25 minutes of round is not shocking like that's no i i i've actually had to, we're running another game right now with like the classic four and i'm like there's so much time (laughs) there's so much time for things to happen for all four of you but um but that's but it's the same no matter how many players you have at the table because we've got four players and i don't ask you what your plan is i've i I asked the same like couple of questions of each of you to tell me what you are but i don't actually know what the less you the the more you pre-plan as a player the almost it's harder on the dm because then you have a lot to track um, and I've hit the point where I'm running enough games that I actually will have to tell like, you're gonna have to remind me who that guy was. Like, is that your cousin? Is that your old boss? Like, I don't remember yeah. who you're talking about. 
because the players are can hyper focus on that one on their arc and i can't remember everything that's going on with everybody that's, that's at the table too so. well in a lot of ways it you know if you do it consistently and if you actually give it a shot improving is all about reaction and listening mm. like this is not a you know what's the right word this is not like a forcefully driven thing like right you can't take your idea that you have and cram it into the improv show or you know cram it into the other character's mouth you don't know what they're gonna say it's react reactive and you gotta be able to and you gotta be able and willing to jump on an opportunity you're looking for the opportunity as opposed to setting up the opportunity and it makes you be more present and Mm. participate and listen to the other person because if you're not you're not going to know how to react as a character or as another person that's i mean that's that's an acting skill like it's the whole um actors who only memorize their own lines versus actors Mm -hmm. who memorize everything or who memorize just enough that they can react in the moment and not feel like it's rote um and actually dnd even more so than actual acting because you really have no idea in fact you don't even know what's going to happen when you roll the dice you know if you've ever seen if somebody listening has ever seen a play where it's clear that the actor forgot the line Mm -hmm. i don't know maybe half the time it's because they were listening for their cue instead of listening to the scene right there was because that can happen all the time well an old friend of mine who did i i'd never had the the memory for shakespeare yeah because you actually have to know your lines in shakespeare like that's there's no improvisation in Shakespeare. It's very but, uh, hard to improv in I am at did pan uh I am at damn it. I am at, yeah. It's late. That is late. Pen, that pen, word, whatever. I, uh, um, but a friend of mine was in a play uh and he missed his own cue and he left his friend out on stage. And his friend was a very well-versed Shakespearean actor, so he just started doing bits from other Shakespearean plays. Yeah. And the audience recognized what he was doing, and they're laughing. And he's got the audience in the palm of his hand, but you can see the actors like, where the F yeah. is Steve? And then Steve's on the backstage laughing like, this is amazing. Why is he doing this? And he's like, hey, dumbass. You're, he's doing this because you didn't go on stage because you missed your cue. Um, but that's I, I, it, but that's the, the power of improv because I can't remember what play they were doing. He told me. I can remember the story about how the improv saved the day. Yeah. And that's, that's the power of being able to being flexible on your feet too, you know? Well, and I think people are worried about if you're nervous about improving, I think you're worried about falling flat or, you know, not living up to somebody else's expectations, but it's really not about that. Or at mm. least it shouldn't be about that. Nobody else should be expecting you to hit any kind of particular mark with improv. And especially know. not and especially not in a game environment too like no. it's you're not you're not it, it like you said it's not it's not um whose line is it anyway where you're, tr- you're in front of a studio audience it, it, right unless you're doing a live play you're really just in front of your friends yeah and the best things when i'm at a table that i that i love is like oh no we're keeping that whatever just happened just became part of the story we recently had a friend like she was trying she's talking about her hometown so i just asked what's your hometown called and there was the panic on her face. <laughs> and I felt, I, I actually didn't even notice the panic because I'm DMing and watching yeah. the whole, the whole situation. And like, it's like, I don't know. I'm like, okay, we'll come up with something. You and me right now, we're going to come up with it on the spot. It's okay. And later on, she's like, I felt bad. I made you make up stuff. I'm like, I make up stuff 
all the time in this game because it doesn't have to be perfect, you know? No, it doesn't have to be perfect. And when it isn't perfect, it's better because if you, you know, there would never be blooper reels or gag reels in a show or a movie or anything like that. People wouldn't bother to keep those in and put them on the special content if it wasn't something that people enjoyed. And that's what makes it feel more organic is the mistakes. Yeah. The show we met on that you were producing. Right. I have watched the blooper reel more often than I have watched the actual footage of the TV show. (laughs) Yeah. When I'm having a bad day, I go back and I try to find the the, the link (laughs) to the blooper reel, not to the show, to the blooper reel. Right. Where the two of us can't get our lines right because you gave me ridiculous scientific dialogue that I didn't understand. <laughs> um, doing a bad British accent, which I couldn't do at the time. Like I, I to this day, I want to go back and redub that because I'm better now than I was at the time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, blooper reels. People like the blooper reels better than they like the actual the actual end product half the time. Yeah, so, it, and so you know the you get into this headspace of I don't want to screw up or I don't want to mess up or I don't want to you miss an opportunity but Mm -hmm. that's not where you should be at you should just be there watching the other person and engaging with it it should Mm -hmm. be a relaxing environment but i know a lot of people just get stage frighty about it yeah there shouldn't be any stage fright you're with your friends like you said you know and there is this and something unique to the game versus the theater kind of we're talking a lot of like from the performance aspect but for you know playing with your friends there's um a lot of pressure with any game D D or anything else to get the rules exactly right. i always say like I, I forget when he said it there's a johnny cash line i reserve the right to change my mind yeah and as a dm i always say that like i'm not gonna slow things down so it's perfect you know if i if i forget i'll improv a rule or a, a, an npc name or and i'll say you know what if i'm wrong don't hold me to it later because i might have screwed up but for now, because it's funny or because it just helps the story keep going, I'll rule it this way today. I reserve the right to change my mind if I made a mistake in either direction, you know, like it, 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 because I don't want because it's about having fun. We're yeah. playing the game. It's a game. It's not well, even a TV show. It's a game. <laughs> and <laughs> there's game mechanics involved because of the dice. Mm-hmm. So you and, you know, this is kind of a lesson for us in reality, too. And, you know, maybe kind of treating it treating D like a therapy session which we can get into i guess mm-hmm. but like <laughs> you can have all the best intentions in the world you can think you're amazing at something and with the roll of a dice literally you fall flat on your face or you miss what you're trying to do or you screw something up and that is about acceptance mm-hmm. like accepting that you weren't as good as you thought you were actually part of renan's whole character in the beginning was that he was a you know a legolas vibe elf and he was Mm. had a lot of flair and he danced around and he did a lot of like overt overly cool moves and the best part would be when he started to do it and then i would roll and i'd fail yeah, you always wait. You always waited to roll the dice after you described what you were doing, as uh-huh. opposed to rolling the dice, seeing if you failed or succeeded, and then and that could work either way. It depends. And that I wouldn't ask a player to lock themselves into that. You could roll, see you failed. Okay, tell me how you went bad, or tell yep. me how it went really well. It's it's funny. I've heard a lot of criticism lately, particularly of D and D specifically, that 
um, you're a character who's really good at something, you should not be able to fail at like basic tasks and stuff like that. Yeah. And I get it. And there's a lot of games that have some great mechanics for failing forward um, that, you know, when you fail, something good happens elsewhere. Um, different game mechanics for different players is great. What I think is you bring up is it's a, it's a bit of a therapeutic thing. We're like, you know what? Nobody's perfect at anything. Yeah. This is a game that's designed around playing, a, uh, essentially playing a superhero, you know, yeah. like you're, 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 you're playing Legolas or you're playing Batman, you know, you're playing somebody. Um, but you can play it either way where you, you can't fail, but where's the fun in that for me? I, I like the idea of like, the wah, 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 wah. <laughs> and then and how do you how do you address being really good at something and failing i do think renan failed a lot because you weren't adding the right modifiers very early oh, on too absolutely <laughs> yeah there were a lot of times that i were not i was not adding the right modifiers there, there, there were days where i would go there's no way he could have rolled that low but i have nine players i can't i can't help him right now but we'll figure that out later but you just rolled with it um and it's part of and you can see players that get very frustrated when they they fail at something or the you know but that's part of the game is how do you it, i think it's on partially on the dm but partially on the player to like fail yeah. with grace and yeah, fail with humor is, you know there's no winning or losing yeah right i mean you know you can die or you can kill whoever you're fighting but i don't really think you can see that as winning and losing yeah you know, I, winning is actually being story. able to get to yeah being able to tell a story with your friends is winning yeah. any rpg yeah like that's that's how you win the game is you get to hang out with your friends and tell a story um and you know i've seen some people get really into like wanting to take the final blow on mm -hmm. the big bad and like they want to roll the dice and they want to kill them that to me kind of defeats the point because the point is your participation in this whole mm -hmm. thing you're playing a a game where all of you have an equal portion part like you're all sitting at a round table sometimes literally and mm -hmm. you all have an equal say in it you're not sitting by yourself in a basement playing a video game where it's just you you know whacking the crap out of whatever orc or goblin runs around on your path it's um another complaint i've i've seen lately i've heard a lot is uh you know like overly siloing the classes which you know there's games that do not having classes really well and yeah. and i think it's a style of you know like i think um and it comes maybe it comes from writing to um limitation builds creativity yeah you know and if like this is what this is the thing that you're good at you know i was we're not link from legend of zelda we're not the we're not the dragonborn from from Skyrim where you can actually play the game and be in the Mages College, the Thieves Guild, the Assassins Guild, and right. the Werewolf Mercenary Guild, and still be the same character. And you're good at everything, and it's your level seventy five. And um, this is a game where you're really good at one thing. Usually, you can or you can be kind of spread it out a little bit. But how you choose where where you're designed for can help kind of focus your improv there you know like okay yeah. if, if you are a supporting character or if you are a, um and then those limitations come in and give you challenges like okay so you're really good with uh a, you know a, that great axe but what happens when you know the griffin flies away from you and yeah. suddenly you're on the ground holding your big sharp stick and you can't get it how yeah. do you react to having your the thing you you excel at taken away from you 
and again well, and that's, like I, I, that's I a lot say. of what happened with Brennan too is because started out just as a fighter because I was worried about dealing with magic and you know being a rookie like I was I didn't want to necessarily have to deal with spell slots or mm-hmm. figuring out you know what the save DC was or whatever happened to come my way so I started out as just a fighter and once I was in the campaign and I had all the friends I was like well I'm not doing as much as I want to do because I don't mm-hmm. have magic so that's when I multi-classed and that's when you start to develop like oh okay how does this guy get magic Mm -hmm. and that's part of the story he happened to catch sexually transmitted magic (laughs) i forgot about that yes that's sexually transmitted magic um that's not anything anybody else has to do yeah i mean and actually what i like about because we get depending on what game system you're working on you can get very number crunchy and very obsessed with getting the perfect build and everything yeah but i loved particularly with that group that we were playing with is we had like i 80 percent of the players had never played before yeah um a couple of them had played other games similar to it so they had the mechanics down or they they were able to build a very optimized thing but um we there people felt free to kind of screw around like I, you had you we had people with that had triple they had multi-class like multi-multi-class yeah. totally unoptimal suboptimal like this was not these were not characters built to be this perfect like textbook perfect character they were just whatever you wanted to do you wanted to take a level and such and such okay we had i think i think three out of eight players had a level of bard for no reason yeah no reason at all i mean really what you could have said is you all were in a band uh-huh. or something but it was just like they just liked the flavor of having a little bit of little bit of, of bards so they're like okay so you're gonna take a level of bard it's not gonna be max you know maximized for for yeah. efficiency but um and that was improvised like why are you taking that and for me i'm a, as a dm you can do whatever the hell you want but it was just you know story-wise what was it well you know i want uh, to to he's discovered his creative side he yeah. caught magic from a succubus yep. um you know like this um there was, and and even like leveling up was very improvisational yeah um and not there's no pressure on it uh which i think if you're in a different sort of setting where you've got a very hard hard dm or the players are a little bit competitive with each other and that's you know that's the that's a different environment a different type of player and there's nothing wrong with that either as long as everybody agrees to it um, yeah yeah you can uh, absolutely you know i i can see where people might get a little more nose down about mm-hmm. some of the loosier goosier stuff like the way we play yeah but it, at the same time we were more focused on the story than anything mm-hmm. else and i think that's i mean that's my personal uh choice like that's what i enjoy to do so i think i thought it was a lot of fun so we did have a lot of fun with how we level up or mm-hmm. you know i think one time we had leveled up and so i had him accidentally touch something and he froze like the banister or something like that because he had new powers Mm. and you know if you're paying attention if you're if you're participating and you're listening that gives you the opportunity to be like what would it be like to go to sleep one night and then wake up the next morning with a new magical whatever Mm. like what is that how would you feel about that and that that helps the other players improvise around you too. Like if you can hint at, don't just it, it's. I mean, and it depends on who you're playing with. But I mean, if you're playing with people who like that sort of experiential 
gameplay, don't tell him he took a level of warlock. Yeah. You know, show him. You know, don't 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 tell show like they say in writing so often. And I think a lot of players are miss out on the opportunity to do that. Like you took a level of cleric, you know, st- suddenly you've got a thing hanging around your neck that your companions didn't notice before and you and the, get the DM in on it, have them roll perception checks and don't tell them why, yeah. you know, like, did um, you find religion? Did you, did you die and get brought back to life and, you know, decide to find some sort of holier power? Yeah, we, we had a friend who we have a friend who has now in multiple campaigns decided to convert to one of the other players' religions. <laughs> like, like it's really interested in what the other players selling. Yeah, and if they can sell them on it, it's like, oh, I'm into this. Okay, I'm going to convert to your character's religion. Okay, didn't see that coming. That works. Um, and that's listening. Like, to, to make if if the other person sells that aspect of their cleric character, or whatever, like okay, tell me more about your character and maybe I'll join you on that path. And, you know, not to, you know, not to make it much more than it actually is, but in a very realistic way, a lot of these skills that we're talking about, like the participating and the listening and the interaction with somebody else equal or above you, those are all skills that you can take into real life and in in a business, um, you know, in a business setting, in social situations, in all sorts of things, it's very, very beneficial skills that you can develop and fall flat with or grow in a safe environment with a couple of your friends and, you know, hopefully a DM who's, um, you know, who's very open to things like mm-hmm. that and very not stringent and uh, helpful. Yeah, it's it's um, it is very much game table dependent, too. Um, how improvisational you could be. I don't know that I could handle a stringent table that I don't doesn't think I have. could either. But then again, all of the players that I work with are they don't come in with a heavy game plan either. Like I've had and all the best stuff are stuff I don't see coming. Yeah. You know, there's that running joke like if the if the DM says, like, did you really say that? Did you say that out loud? Did you really do that? Uh oh. But for me, it's like that's food for the story. Yeah. And that was well, how we came up sort with of the stump. Like- you know, to the, the, with, with Renan about, I would say what, 75% through that campaign, you threw a, was it an elf? The guy that took the memories. Oh, that's the, um, the creature in the, um, in the underdark. Yeah. The creature in the underdark. That, that was entirely made up on the spot too. We, they, you ran into a, um, I forget if he was a devil or if he was, something else i forget what cre- what type of creature it was um it was something that, that, that i had, I had wanted it was like a, a um, pretending to be like a hermit underground but really what it was was he would trade a memory for a memory like a, like a secret for a memory um and i figured the party would be like yeah no I'm not giving you a secret uh, oh it was an answer for an answer and yeah, then if answer, you said whatever you right. said back and he would ask things like what's your father's name and he would give you the answer that you asked for, but then you would no longer remember your father's name. Right. Um, and I thought, okay, they're not going to fall for it. And then one person does it. And then and, you basically just all sit down and have drinks with the guy. Yeah. And the, and like, I don't even remember how many of you just, you were giving away your lives to this creature. And then finally somebody's like, no, F this, we're killing this guy. <laughs> but that on the spot and making up, 
I'm I make up the 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 creature. You all made up the memories that you then lost, and right. then all of those memories that you lost became pivotally important to your characters, even though they weren't part of the story beforehand. You know, somebody they, couldn't they, swim anymore. After yeah, that. that became a yeah. She forgot how to um, forgetting how to swim, uh, forgetting a parent forget like it was the 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 speed with which the characters gave up important memories was wild to me well and my guy i forget what you asked me but you i think you asked like who's most important to you yeah and because i have been playing this guy so narcissistic he answered himself yeah, and you lost all confidence in your own abilities for the rest of, and really for the, until, until another major character change happened later on. Yep. Um, you've been playing a pure narcissist. Pure narcissist. And then after that, I had no choice, but to be, to lose myself conscious to, you know, I intentionally made him a little bit more quiet mm-hmm. and more introspective. So for the back quarter of that campaign, he was a very, in his own mind character and introspective character about why are we actually here like what are we actually doing whereas the narcissistic version didn't give a shit like Mm -hmm. he didn't care why they were there they were just there to fight to um sleep with interesting characters and to make money but after that it was just a different world yeah it's um uh and that was all made up on the spot, yeah. both by the by both by the players. And it and you think about ways of like not being precious with your characters, the fact that everyone at the table was willing to make a major character change like that. Yeah. And like that could be painful or tragic or funny. You know, forgetting how to swim was that was a funny one. That was a funny and, one. And and it was like, does she know that she doesn't know how to swim yet? No. She'll find that out when she tries to swim. And I think somebody forgot what their parent looked like. Yeah, right? forgot the face of her mother. Yeah. Um, like what was it? Because it was, he asked, the creature asked what her earliest memory was. I remember my mother's face. Yeah. Now you don't. Um, crazy. Yeah. And what was crazier still was that somebody else gave something else away after that. I'm like, did you not just see what happened to your friend? <laughs> but, the, but the idea that, um, but you were also invested in the improvisational component to take a risk and not not be precious that you're damaging your perfect character too you know like although that was a funny if you do have a 12 page background story for your character you're going to be much less interested in throwing half of that away right like i mean the idea i I really I'm, i'm going to have to find the tweet and give the person credit if i can because that's actually the bit like do a one page bulleted thing you know here's where you come from here's what you're looking for yeah. And then fill in the gaps later on. Um, yeah. And it, you'll, it'll make for a much more fun experience than trying to, trying to shoehorn this perfect character into the story. And if you're super worried about, you know, answering something on the fly and being like kind of beholden to it for the rest of the game, you know, think about it like this. You can either, you know, if somebody asks you what your parent's name is and you throw something out on the spot, that doesn't necessarily have to be true. Maybe mm-hmm. your parents lied to you about what their names were. Maybe you lied to the person asking you the question because you didn't want to tell them. Right. You no, know, maybe 
you forgot. Maybe there's something in your past that you blocked it out with or something like mm-hmm. that. There's a lot of things you don't have just because you're rolling stuff and, and throwing stuff out there. It doesn't mean you have to stick with it. Right. And you could even, you know, come into the game next time and be like, I'm going to retcon this. And because I just threw it out there and I don't want their names to be blah, blah, blah. I want them to be blah, blah, blah. And if you're with a reasonable group of other players and you made something up on the spot, you shouldn't be stuck with it. Unless, unless you are one of the, um, unless you're running in a professional actual play yeah, where it's now been recorded and it's going to be listened to for 10 years on Apple podcasts. Okay. That's a problem at your own table. Um, Although I, I improvise names of villains. all This is the DM curse. You make up, you make up a name and then 10 minutes later, you realize it sounds dirty. Yeah. Or you've, um, I was trying to come up with something that sounded like pre-biblical. Like I wanted like a really old sounding name. And I, I just went I, on the fly when uh, the Alishite family. <laughs> yes. You're <laughs> laughing at it because Alishite. Oh, really? All, all, all the shite. Like, you know what? I'm changing it. And the player's like, no, you're not. I'm like, okay, fine. We're going to live with it. That's fine. Because they thought it was worth keeping. Um, <laughs> beware that level of improv. Um, yep. because it, no character name survives first impact with the players. And, you know, there there is something to be said for if you want to, you can use this as a device to work some stuff out mm-hmm. from your real world things because <laughs> there's a reason that it's in a fantasy world, right? So you can go into this fantasy world and you can be basically whoever you want to be. And you can either whack things and be a murderer because you've had a hard week at work, or, you know, maybe you can deal with like uh, issues that you're, you're examining of yourself or identity Mm -hmm. issues, or, you know, if you want to express yourself in a way that you can't in real life, if you're very introverted and shy, but you want to make a bombastic bard, it can give you the license to do that. That's why a lot of people become actors is that they want to express themselves in a way that they can't do it just in the normal day-to-day, everyday life. And this this game op- offers you an opportunity to get the benefits of the, the psychological slash soul benefits of being an actor without the pressure of being an actor. Absolutely. You don't have to be good at it. Nope. It's a game and yep. you can do all the things, all the things that help actors find themselves and feel more comfortable in their own skins. Or if you're the kind of actor that I was, I don't, I don't know what kind of actor you were with me. It was, I don't like myself particularly much. So I'm going to go be someone I like better. You know, like that was my acting. Um, other actors, they just like themselves so much. They can't wait to be their best self on camera, but you know, yeah. the, the, it depends on the actor, but this I mean, game I think is I really got that. into it because I didn't have much of a, you know, I wouldn't say I was flat, but I didn't have a ton of identity when I was mm. in high school. You know, I didn't have a ton of interests or things or do a bunch of different stuff. But by being an actor, I could be anything and I could be as interesting as I wanted to be. And that was very appealing as somebody, you know, as a teenager, figuring out who I wanted to be and dealing with the fact that. I didn't think I was as interesting as I could have been. So you have the opportunity to kind of 
reach out and touch things that you definitely couldn't in your normal role as who you were. Yeah, it's funny. You, you figuring things out in real time. You know, I'm like, okay, so I got into acting because I couldn't stand myself. So I'll go be someone else for a little while. And I was just thinking, as you're saying that, I'm like, you know, that's when I was on stage or when I was on camera was really the only time I was okay with myself because I wasn't me. Right. Like it was like, it was like, it was a break of being me. And I was just saying the other day that this game during the pandemic, the only time I'm not worried is while I'm running a game. Yeah. Because I'm not me. I'm a million other people as the DM, or if I'm, I got to, I got to play in a glorious one shot the other day and it was the most fun. I got to be my most extra goth self, like my channeling, my teenage angst years, like through this character. (laughs) And it was the most relaxed I am these days is when I'm doing this because I'm not me. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, this actually is filling that need. Especially because none of us, you know, there's not a heck of a lot of independent film happening right now. So this is really our outlet for playing other characters, you know? Well, and it really is, you know, an escape, like Mm -hmm. set aside three hours where you don't have to participate in the world if you think that it sucks or if you don't want to hear about, uh, you know, Russia or the (laughs) pandemic or whatever. If you want to just leave all that behind, you can do that. And a lot of people do that in different ways. An extreme example is, you know, people drink themselves silly or they use substance abuse or they just play a video game or read a book. It's the same thing. It's, it's, it's no different than the only upside to this versus, you know, not the drinking yourself to death, but more the um, disappearing into a book or disappearing into an MMO or disappear. I mean, really disappearing into an MMO is pretty close to what we do with this, but you know, not disappearing into Xbox or whatever is, um, you're not alone. Right. <laughs> you know, you're escaping. And, 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 you know, you know me, like, I, I don't know if I've said this with the audience before, but like, I'm an ex journalist. I can't turn the news off. Yeah. Like people will t- stop looking at the news. I can't, I used to make the news. I can't do it. Um, but the only time I'm not looking at my news feeds is when I'm at the virtual table. Yeah. Um, I, when we used to play in person, back in the before times um <laughs> i would like phones off and i'm not like one of those dms like shut your phone off i'm just not looking at mine right and i wouldn't even eat like people would make a lot of food i'm like no man i'm in it like my whole moment is being in this game mm-hmm. uh you know i'll have a beer or i'll have a cup of coffee on with but maybe but i'm not gonna sit there and have like a hamburger and like but i'm just in this moment because and thinking about nothing else but telling a story with my friends um you're participating and and by participating it, you, you've said it multiple times the listening factor yep because you're present because we're not used to being present anymore the world kind of asks us to not just not only be present we, we're, we're supposed to be about 15 minutes ahead of where we are at all times now anyway and not to um, sound like old fogies but even more so now when we live in a very fast-paced world where uh the attention span is noticeably shorter you know you can see it in tv shows and and uh, how you read the news and how you interact socially online um but the fact that you can sit there and have a conversation with somebody but you can also be sending a tweet at the exact same time or answering Mm -hmm. an email for work while you're having a conversation with somebody 
uh, over a beer or in the car is just mind boggling and insane. And we, we, we multitask to the point where we aren't listening to each other. We're Mm -hmm. just sort of grazing over all aspects of it. And this really does sink you in. Yeah. It's, and it's noticeable. You can tell when somebody has checked out and then, and, and if they're checked out, that's fine because you know, so their, their mind may be wandering, yeah. but it's so much more fun and so much more helpful for the other people at the tables. If everyone is just in it, everybody's locked in. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's fully in the moment. They're not looking at Twitter. They're not looking at their newsfeed. They're not, che- they're not checking work emails. Yeah. Just relax for a couple of hours, step away, have fun yeah. with your friends. I wanted to kind of circle back to like what you said earlier about finding things out about yourself. Yeah. Um, and I was, I've had this running theory, like the first character that you make up is who you think you, who you think you want to be. The second character is who you actually want to be. By the time you get to your third character, it's like, okay, here's what I want to, what, 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 what bruises can I push on or what, you know, what weird creases of my mind do I want, do I want to explore? And like, there's all these options. Like it's sort of, you start off like, okay, I'm supposed to be this heroic person, blah, blah. blah. And then it's like, no, I'm a scumbag. <laughs> you know, this is who I want to be. And then it's what, and then it's no, now I'm an elephant. <laughs> By the time you get to the third, third or fourth character, it's like, what bizarre thing that I can't be in the real world. Can I be here? Yeah. Um, and it's and a really, it, depending on how much you want it to, it can tell you a lot about yourself mm-hmm. and it can tell you a lot about how your friends interact with you too. Yeah. There's, we, uh, Oh God. Okay. I won't name names. Um, but we were, we did sort of like a irreverent psychoanalysis of a group, one of my tables. Um, cause we were all playing like, okay, this is a person who is extremely responsible in her real life. And so she, she was playing a thoughtless pyromaniac, like just everything was fireball. Sure. What it was is that every aspect of her life was controlled. Um, and so when we got together once a week, having no responsibility and no forethought was her psychological escape for the week. Um, and uh, someone else was um, playing the stereotypical horny bard. <laughs> and what it was, was she's like, I had no one through the whole pandemic. I was really lonely and horny and I was playing a horny bard because there was, she was getting her, like what she was missing in her real life. She wanted to play this, this 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 type of a character um and then someone else was like he's playing a a, a like a charlatan type of character it's like yeah man you just you're a better person than you think you are but you're think a lot less of yourself than you really are and that's why you're playing this character who's a scumbag with a heart of gold because you kind of feel like a scumbag but actually you are a guy with a heart of gold and he's like oh no oh that's what i'm doing and hit that and it was this is how we're all playing these characters out um yeah it's a process yeah and some of it comes from you know and again for people who aren't actors like typically when you are deciding how you're going to play a role you're naturally going to incorporate aspects of yourself Mm -hmm. and there are exceptions to that namely like again shakespeare you're pretty locked into who that person is and how you're going to portray that person 
But in a lot of the ways you can pull from your own personalities or your friends' personalities, or your family's personalities, and you can kind of make this, this gumbo of a person based off of the things you do like or the things you don't like. And that's kind of the same thing. And, you know, you can, if you want to be that involved and introspective about it when you're playing the game, but you can also just make yourself a bunny rabbit (laughs) and give it a sword if you want to. Like, Like that's, that's the cool thing about it. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, it's it can be as simple as God. I, I'm just thinking of some of the play because I've I've DM'd for at least thirty players in the past three years. Like it's right. been a very it's I've I've got to see a lot of different ways. I if one player proposed. I, I don't know which character I want to play. Here's my three proposals. They're based on my cats. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was brilliant. There was the happy, dumb, friendly one. There was the bossy old lady and there was the barbarian like that was what she, what what her choices were and it was perfect you know the, the on the one hand you get that here's I've, I've got three characters all viable playable characters they're perfectly yeah. fine for the campaign and then someone else came up with the character and about six months into the game they said oh my god i'm playing me if i had confidence and it was that's all they were it, or not no it wasn't it wasn't confidence it was if i didn't have anxiety yeah they were playing wow. themselves without anxiety and that was bringing them so much joy it was just like they don't they didn't dislike themselves they were just af- afraid and anxious all the time and this was a way of expressing like let me be me but happy <laughs> you know it was that's wild amazing and what a what a thing to figure out about yourself it, that it wasn't immediately um, obvious too. Yeah. And it was just sort of like, that was just their inclination of how to play the character. Um, also a fellow character favorite, by the way, like that was the funny part too, is like all of us would have died for this character. Uh-huh. It was like, and all of us would die for you. We just, it would be great if you didn't have anxiety for yourself, for your own happiness. Like that actually would be great, you know, but a way to explore that. What is it like if um, I've, had players exploring gender issues or orientation issues and stuff like that. And it's just a way to, because you're not committing to, you're not committing to real world. It's a, it's a, it's, it's improvisational. It's playing, it's being creative. It's. Which is also why I think it's important that people don't uh, knock it until you've tried it. Yeah. Because it's, it's very easy if you don't play this or if you only think it's like a nerdy thing about, you know, being an elf and walking around a dungeon and slaying a dragon Mm. and you know you're all dorks or whatever it's one thing to think that but there are aspects of it that go much much deeper Mm. and other people should respect that but a lot of people just don't understand or don't know and that's kind of where that that comes from and that's part of where some of the anxiety i think probably comes for for people of playing the game to begin with because Mm. it has a i don't even know if it's a bad reputation anymore i i think it's just a stigma that has probably kept in some circles and that might keep people out of it but i would really encourage anybody who's just listening to this on the fly to not think about that and actually it's funny that you bring that up too because what i i mean you've got the old hack and slash kind of mindset. You've got the stereotypes that go along with it, the negative stereotypes, the, I 
will never forgive um, Big Bang Theory for its what it did for for nerds across the world because it really didn't help anyone. It was it was laughing at people unfairly, but um, but part of it too is it, realizing how fortunate I have been with being at tables with people I trust, and I'm the DM, so part of my job is to make sure people. You know, if you, if you aren't trustworthy, you don't get to play anyway. But mm-hmm. um, if you're going to explore those issues or even just explore, you don't have to explore anything deep, just exploring creativity, like just exploring, play, playing a bunny rabbit. You know what I mean? Like it was, I want to. Uh, what would that be like? <laughs> yeah. What would it be like? I want to play a bunny rabbit with a sword. Yeah. But um, the uh, it is a better game in a respectful environment where everybody's on the same train um and it's totally you know if you if you're playing a like just a hack and slash like i uh it, it, you're playing disposable characters that are going to cut their way through a dungeon that's fine but like it, know who you're playing with and and don't discourage your fellow players from i guess i guess read the room and make sure you're in the right room absolutely and, and don't try to change the tenor of the room if it's a if it's a good room like kind of go along for the ride you know <laughs> so, and um, i guess it is a little bit that you know we're speaking kind of from a privileged point of view where we've had a really good group and a really yeah. good group that understands why we're all there and what we're doing and why and i know a lot of people don't have that i hear it's funny i speaking it, it, from a point of privilege is a, uh, the best way to put it because i've been wildly lucky with the people i've played with for really other than as a teenager when i played some some with and i didn't play with bad people i just played with teenage boys who are idiots by nature right that's fine i don't have anything bad to say about them they were just teenage boys who are idiots by nature but as an adult anytime i played any rpg and i'm i'm not locked into this is a podcast about D&D, but there's a shelf that's behind me on camera that people can't see that's full of other games too. But it's um, when I hear uh, communication breakdown or people arguing over over game mechanics, like just being hard on each other. And maybe it comes from the fact that most of, I think we've joked around, like most of the players we played with, if they didn't actually go to school for theater, at least did a lot of theater. Like we were playing, we were playing with some, like multiple musical theater muffins. Like we are all like easily Bingo. could break. We could easily break into Les Miserables on most of our, you know I mean? like, and, and, and so we're kind of used to that. Yes. Yes. And, and respecting the creative process. And um, so I can see how, what we've talked about a lot on this episode too, is it can be impossible uh, if you're at the wrong group. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. I suppose, I suppose I'd encourage you to, um, Goldilocks this stuff if you're yeah, with a group that doesn't feel safe or doesn't feel comfortable for you to explore who you are just because you're in a group doesn't mean it's the right group and right doesn't mean that that's your fault or anybody's fault just not the right fit and something to point out and speaking from my experience I love that I'm the one that threw a box of dice in front of you four yeah. years ago or three years ago it's like, but like you know in, in the before times you just played with whoever would show up Right. And one of the great things about now is it's so monolithic right now that if 
there are other people out there to play with it, it, that might be the right ones, the right fit for you to, that will spark joy as the philosopher Marie Kondo once said, <laughs> um, you know, like that they, you can find the right package of people because it, because it really is everywhere. And, 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 and it's totally okay to not fit, not gel with one group because there are other people and you can kind of um, you and I built film crews the same way. Like, I like working with you. I like working with you. You're very, I like, like what you bring to the, to the, to the, to the table. Um, and you can do that now with these games too, is kind of find the right combination of people to let you be creative in the way that you want to be creative too. And that's really important. And especially now when, you know, you, we happen to live in the same state, but theoretically, you know, you could be in a game with somebody on a different continent than you one of my technology that we have right now yeah one of my best friends plays with uh their gm is in germany which is funny she says that um it is the most precise game that she's ever played in if you're 10 minutes late just take the week off like it's too late you can't come in um really leaning in on the stereotype but um but i think i think they've got players in scotland germany east coast west coast u.s like just scattered across the Western hemisphere. Um, and they play every Sunday, <laughs> you know, they all, they also, and, 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 and they found their, their, their adventuring tribe. party. I was going to say their tribe, but that's insensitive, I guess. It, but but no, really, guess let's, right, let, yeah. let's, 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 let's get rid of the old, that old language in college or adventuring party. They found their adventuring party scattered across the globe. And they played the sort of stories that, you know, where people are crying over fictional characters dying what you can do if you if you're all bought bought into the it, it's a shared hallucination right like we're all yeah um we're all we're all we're all anteing up to the mm-hmm. same suspension of disbelief about this world and yeah if you if you need to keep searching until you find the right one mm-hmm. and i would say too you know if hopefully somebody's listening to this episode who is either struggling with improv or somebody gave them an episode to kind of convince them to give it a try or play a little Mm. bit more. And again, like I just want to say, there's no wrong way to do it. There are just different ways to do it. And you shouldn't let that scare you away, especially from a game, but also Mm. exploring different aspects of you. And yes, there's game mechanics and, you know, yes, there's this and yes, there's that. And it won't always be perfect, but real life isn't perfect. Mm. And improv is nothing if not making up a version of real life. So just it's, give it a shot. And give it and give it a second shot if you kind of like it, but aren't quite sure too. Like I, I, for a while I was running, I actually almost would say it was like a generational thing too. Like there was, pure story like very much invested in a long form story that was very much investigate invested in shenanigans yeah and then there was the group that just wanted to go slay a monster and everybody was working through something like the folks that wanted to slay a monster they're having a tough time in life they just wanted to win the folks that just wanted the shenanigans had were having a tough time and just wanted to laugh um the story folks just wanted to escape <laughs> the real reality. <laughs> and like, and that's me, one DM, those were I, three entirely different experiences. So if you, it's finding the right environment to help you get the, 
help you escape what you're trying to escape or help you explore what you're trying to explore or help you to learn. And I'm really curious when we finally get to go back out in the world, if there's a whole lot more improvisational actors out there <laughs> looking for a stage to get on. Cause I feel like we're all kind of learning, learning the skill as we're, as we go. There won't be enough stand-up clubs. No, no, there's going to be too many people trying to climb on stage. Like, trust me, I've learned how to be, a, I've learned how to do voices. No, you haven't. <laughs> Just stop right there. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. I don't, do you want to have anything else to wrap up about? I kind of we, we we kind of were all over the place, but I guess um I just wrap up by saying if you if you're either playing for the first time, there's no wrong way to do it. If you're playing for the thousandth time, don't be afraid to try something new. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and hopefully you can find a gang and lose three hours of your week and not worry about World War Three or you know the plague. Whatever else is going on out there on a given Wednesday, you know. And, you know, the thing I say to people all the time, too, is the best way to learn how to do something is by making a mistake. Mm -hmm. Because when you make the mistake, you know what you want to avoid. Not necessarily that it was wrong or that it even was a mistake, but you learn what you didn't like. Mm -hmm. And then you can evolve to the opposite side. And then eventually you sort of find this like little middle sweet spot where you're comfortable with mm-hmm. so just keep making mistakes life's a mistake so yeah and and if, if ever there was a place to make a mistake it's in an improvisational game with your friends yeah it's absolutely. not work all right i think that was good wrap Sounds it up good sure all right so you can find us at charactersandclass.com. we are on all the social medias at cn class podcast uh, you can email us if you really, really want to. Charactersclass at gmail.com. I am Colin Carlton. You can find me at Colin Carlton on Twitter and Instagram or at Colin Carlton VO on Facebook. 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 <laughs> <laughs> on Facebook and TikTok. You just invented a new social media platform. Um, I am Matthew Fillion. You can find me at matthewfillion.com on Twitter and Instagram at mattfillion.com because God forbid I do the social media thing correctly or, um, Matthew Fillion on Twit on Facebook. Um, basically if you look up my last name and you spell it correctly, you will not get the actor from Firefly. You will get me. So, uh, for better or worse. Yeah. You know, definitely a downgrade, but you know, (laughs) I'll take it. I'll take the run. I'll, I'll take his scraps. Um, yeah, this has been fun. Yeah, same. And if you're liking what you're hearing and enjoying it, you know, please rate us, review us on uh, Apple Podcast or, you know, in general, just share our episodes so that other like-minded people can um, get involved. Yeah, please. It helps a lot. It's really the only way anybody discovers a show anymore. So it, yep. it, it really a, a, a star rating or a three-word review goes a million miles so please and if you are a dm and you know your players are having trouble uh finding their groove as it were uh maybe toss this to them see if it helps we'd love to hear about it actually actually if if any of this ever works out for you just tweet it at us uh yeah let us know email us let us know and we'll 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 share it with the world all right thanks man have a good good one Bye. bye everybody